Hello, this is a message specifically to the Seattle-based, or in that area anyways, Quack 12 fans. Two things. First of all, get your butt over to that game and be rooting for the Ducks because you know we need you. We need your tail feathers in those seats. Second of all, we got some awesome comedy shows featuring, and some of them even produced, by our guest this week, Gaby Lucas. So I wanted to plug those right at the top. Now, if you happen to be a hockey fan or just a fan of comedy, then go over to the, it's actually a hockey bar, the Angry Beaver, post-Kraken's game. So when that Kraken game ends... That is when this show begins, not necessarily about hockey, but in a hockey bar, the Angry Beaver. It is called Hat Tricks, a post-game comedy show. You can find Gaby and guests on three different nights, October 16th, October 23rd, and November 3rd, all at the Angry Beaver. Not only that, but actually there is another show at the Crocodile. That is right. The famous crocodile, Wednesday, October 25th, 7 p.m. That is Wackronyms. I've seen Gaby do a form of this show in real life, and it was hysterical, along with Timmy Booth, Derek Sheen, Vanessa Dawn. You gotta get over there. All these venues, all these shows should be a blast, so please head out there. And now, to the show. Quack, 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 quack. Holy duck, everybody. This is the biggest game in the history of the Pac-12, which is just about dead. Um, The biggest game in Oregon, Washington history, which doesn't even have a name because it's just too full of hate. I've heard of some names that I've almost liked, but no, it's just Oregon, Washington. And this is it, y'all. This is uh, whoever loses this game is just you might as well stop watching college football because it's not getting better from here in seattle college game day i had to get two experts two people that know a whole lot more than this dumbass currently talking that would be first of all hithla day of addicted to quack film editor managing editor film watcher duck knower of stuff hey hithla day how's it going i'm well how are you I'm nervous as hell, nervous as hell, because we got to go up to Seattle, play a team that can seemingly just spam the the deep pass button and just obliterate teams. And to talk about that team, we've got dear, dear friend, Gaby Lucas. How's it going, Gaby? Hi. Hi. It's been so long. I just realized that your description of that is when, when like, Penix and and the receivers are really feeling it like what they're doing is it's just like Pikachu's down B (laughs) exactly that's something that our listeners will finally now I get it oh it's his down you don't get that reference yeah or like when Ness just like just takes you all the way off yeah or DK's uh down kick when he oh is it DK no No, you're talking about yeah I don't think I don't think there's anything like the the yeah. the full body experience of getting downbeat to oblivion by Pikachu. That is true. That is true. Hopefully that doesn't happen to the Oregon Ducks when they go and play in Seattle. Gaby, uh, first and only question for me, really. 
Uh, how are you taking in what could be either an awesome moment as a Husky fan or a really, really shitty moment as a Husky fan? Are you doing anything special? Uh, well, there's two things. One, I can't realistically afford to go to the game, so <laughs> nice. I, will be, I will be at an establishment elsewhere. Mm. Uh, so that will help mitigate the um, absolute stress balls. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that's helping me, and I'm not saying this to plug, um, it really right. is genuine, is that, is that it turns out when you're producing a thing that goes live two days after um, the biggest Washington, Oregon game in history, um, it turns out you get stressed about that instead. Mm. <laughs> that That's good. Yeah. So they sell alcohol at this event? They do because it's at a bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hith- will be there then. That's all you had to <laughs> say. Are you going to actually? Are you going to be up in Seattle? No, <laughs> I, <will. laughs> I, I may. I mean, if you're selling alcohol and it's appropriate for celebration. Uh, are, wow. Do, have you? Have you? If you were, if you're stuck riding the bus, have you ridden the bus to Renton? That is the Heisman campaign for Michael Penix. Yeah, you've been Wait, on that bus. Renton? What about Renton? The, the the Michael Penix uh, Heisman oh, campaign that's Express. you know oh. yeah, plastered okay. all over the buses in Seattle. Uh, I I I do ride the bus when I need to go downtown or Belltown or whatever, which I will use to plug a future thing right at the end of this too. There you uh, go. I have not seen I have not seen the Penix bus oh. tragically. I have seen footage of the Penix plane. Uh, actually, it's not a Penix plane. It's just a a UW plane, but mm. it's more fun to call it the. Penix the Penix plane, plane. So alliteration. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, Hithleday, you have some wonderful articles over at the Quack that helps us dive in to Oregon opponents. And for those, I'm sure you got a bunch of questions. So let's just dive right into it, Hithleday. Uh, so I, I've been watching, um, actually this offense, we were talking a little bit off air. I, I've been talking, uh, I've been watching, uh, Kalen DeBoer's offense for about four years now, uh, since Oregon opened in 2021, uh, with Fresno state, uh, where, where he was coaching it in 2020 and 2021, I actually went back a little further than that. I watched uh, when he was the offensive coordinator, uh, at Indiana in 2019 with Michael Ooh. Penix as the quarterback, hey. um, it, uh, Michael Penix was running the ball a little bit more in 2019 at Indiana, um, although that was mostly a product of just how like god awful their offensive line was. Um, it really mm-hmm. is tragic. Like, I wonder how good he could have been there if he just, he probably would still be there. I mean, he would be in the NFL, yeah. but he would still be there in the hypothetical world where they have an offensive line <laughs> and I mean, money to keep DeBoer. And not have the thing. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. The, the <laughs> thing that was interesting was that like that. The, uh, first of all, th- this exact offense was not the one that he was running at Indiana, um, but it was the one that he's been running for like f- the last four years. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's the one that he'd been running at South Dakota and was winning all those, you know, ch- or, you know, down in Division three. Sioux Falls. Yeah, yeah Sioux Falls in, in yeah. South Dakota, uh, uh, not the University of South Dakota. That's an FCS team. Um, the uh, and winning a bunch of titles uh, with um, it's a it's a totally fascinating offensive system. And second of all, like Michael Penix, it, my my goodness, like what a trooper uh, the the it's wonderful that he's been able to avoid injuries because like i mean it's just like heartbreaking that he goes so many you know years getting hurt i i think like the way that the system 
uh, keeps him upright is really, you know, awesome, especially given that in the 2019 film, he was running all the time and it's just like, okay, let's cut that out. You know, <laughs> uh, let's keep, Smash I mean, his, his biggest highlight in Indiana was that like, yeah. uh, that one yeah, score, right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's what I first heard about him. That's Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. That's completely what I knew about him when we learned he was transferring here. I was like, I know he's been broken always. And he did that, that ruled. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's so crazy that like that, that was his iconic moment. It's like, there's no second, there's yeah. no second lives in American, you know, no second chances in American life. And it's like, nope, there are, yeah. you know, and now he's like <laughs> yeah. a total passer, you know, dude. It is kind of wild when you think about, like, I know that we're supposed to be talking about X's and O's or whenever right now, but it is kind of wild when you just think about like, narrative structure of that uh like this when he transferred to UW the whole thinking everybody assumed like oh this will just be you know a, a second attempt this whatever but like you know we know he he's he's over essentially like mm -hmm. he'll probably be, able, be an upgrade but he's there's no way he can play again and be mm -hmm. that electric um and versus now you know fast flash forward to a year and a half later and like that what he did at indiana that was so iconic is now just a prequel yeah mm -hmm. and that's kind of wild to to and, think about and completely misleading to to well sure. yeah. not not, not actually Patsy's misleading let, let me let me withdraw that like not really because i think actually the thing among all the other like tremendous gifts that i think that he has um you know, which, which I will list on route to describing what I think about this offense. Um, I, I think actually the number one thing that really impresses me about Michael Penix is just absolute fearlessness. Um, but you know, by which I mean, I, I watch a ton of pac 12 quarterbacks, like 90% of which when something starts going wrong in the pocket, which, Hey man, this is the pac 12, like stuff goes wrong in the pocket. Um, that would be a good name for a podcast. That is <laughs> goes one. wrong in the pocket, but no one should start another podcast. No more podcasts. But yeah. if someone was, it should be a packed up podcast <laughs> about called that. Wait, <gasps> podcast for starting next year about all the for former what will be former Pac-12 teams mm -hmm. what goes wrong in the pocket about bad offensive lines mm, and what my, went my wrong mm -hmm. in the yeah. okay. Continue. Sorry. Um. So many Pac-12 quarterbacks there. It's like, you know, I'm the scramble king, you know, like I, I'm dropping mm -hmm. my eyes. I'm running um, and like, oh, boy, not Michael Penix. You know, like he is, you know, he is completing his pass deep with accuracy to the guy he's supposed to be throwing it to um, with, you know, a dude could be hanging off of him, uh, you know, ab about to bring him down. You know, he, he, he could be about to be annihilated. Doesn't matter. Like he is not dropping his eyes. He's not trying to improvise a play. He's not like, he's like 180 degrees, the opposite from so many Pac-12 quarterbacks. I'm not even trying to throw shade at the other, you know, Pac-12 quarterbacks or trying to call them cowards or anything. I'm just saying like, it takes a lot of, stuff in order to do what Michael Penix does. And it is amazing um, and unique. Uh, like, it's just incredible. You, uh, I, I, I cannot think of any other quarterback who has that ability. Yeah, I think I think that's something that like took everybody a little bit by surprise. It was just like how uh, after suffering four season injury exactly. or three, three, four, whatever season ending injuries in a <laughs> row that he was so well-rounded and improved like 
because it's I mean that's and that you'd still have that mental fortitude after having your body explode <laughs> yeah. so often like to have a 300 pound nose tackle I think that was against Cal it might I think it was against Cal um, a specific mm. thing that pops into my head um maybe Arizona I, I mean it's it, in every right, name like, you right know? in your face and make like a 40 yard it's in the air pass perfectly like and I think a lot of that is um just how smart he is with with both pre-snap and post-snap reads um and granted part of that is and you've alluded to this um how DeBoer's offense is is crafted is in such a way where where it really puts the quarterback in a pause in a very favorable position to do so and I think I've I'm not the first one to to come up with this comparison but that like Kalen DeBoer's offense especially pre-snap is essentially what Pete's offense was wanted to be yeah um Oh, and yeah. when you have somebody who's as talented as Penix is and as well-rounded with, with his mobility and his arm and as smart as he is, like, that's just a really, really entertaining match. <laughs> well, it's yeah. it's definitely produces a lot of big yards, you know, yeah. because like he's not, you know, he's not dropping his eyes, you know, and it's like there's a ton of scrambly quarterbacks that a lot of Pac-12 fans, you know, who are fans of that team you know they love him because he's like oh man he rescued that play and he got like a, a great eight yard you know scramble and kept the drive alive and it's like Caleb Williams every moment he's playing the game yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> that man is insane like I mean it is amazing but it, it, I mean, do it, it is every totally time. amazing and it, it's a, you know athlete, you know Penix is like yeah well I threw a 30 yard pass so <laughs> you know, yeah. um, he definitely is I I know the moment where I where I went oh shit um pause parentheses positive was um <laughs> last year in the i think second game of the year so it was only against portland state so like mm -hmm. adjusted for a schedule that doesn't mean shit but it was a, a rollout to his right as a left-handed mm -hmm. quarterback where he threw just over i don't think it was it, might, it was either a wheel route or i don't remember either way it was like right over the right on the sidelines right perfectly placed over the um psu safety i want to say um probably like 25 or 30 yards off <laughs> his on his off off on his off side um as a lefty and with you know that angle is really hard the angle um for his receiver like for him to get it to his receiver cat catchably was really hard the angle as a lefty was really and then and it was like so effortless and perfectly placed and with a receiver or a, a DB that was covering the receiver like perfectly. I think it was J-Mac. Um, and to see that and go, oh, shit, like he I know this is an FCS team, but I think he's yeah. he, he's I mean, got even it. throwing against air like that's a, you know, yeah. that, that's a tough throw to make. I it's, mean, he, yeah. he makes tough throws, you know, like yeah. it's not, you know, it, it's not. I, I mean, I guess this is stuff that like if you're inclined to get mad uh is stuff you could get mad about i'm i'm trying to say it in a positive way i really appreciate kaylin DeBoer's system which you know like i was saying i've been watching for like four years i've been trying to crack it like you know in terms of like because kaylin DeBoer's system uses a lot of like pre-snap motions um and, and otherwise like in order to try to identify um you know where the he, they really hoping that you're going to your the defense is going to use zone because it's really designed to just destroy zone coverages, totally. but even like man coverages to like try to stress man coverages um, uh, to, to identify this stuff and give the quarterback the tools pre snap to have like 
you know, where the defense is going to be weakest so that he can get the throw off, you know, for, for maximum, for maximum yardage. I feel like that's super obvious on film and it's not like, it's not trying to call Penix a system quarterback or anything like a slight or anything. It's like, give him tools to succeed. It's, it's amazing, but like, uh, you know, and he thrives, you know, in it, I'm sure if you put him in a different system, given that his skill set is excellent, that he would be, he would thrive in those two. It's just that that's the system that he's in and he thrives in it. So, you know, hooray. Uh, I think, can I add a thought right there? Cause I think you actually earlier made a, used a really good phrase that I think is a really good way of summing this up because I, I know what you're saying and I know I know that you're <laughs> you're afraid that it would sound like saying he's a system quarterback um I think what it is 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 that he is like you said his skill set is so excellent both physically and mentally and then Kalen DeBoer's offense essentially has given him the absolute best tools he could use to maximize the, that skill set and so I think I think that's the best an- analogy that I can think of anyway for um what for what you're what you're saying and how and how all that is true and it's like look the 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 thing that i you know the the number that i came up with when i was watching the 2022 offense and i charted like every non-garbage time snap that they took over you know the 13 games well 12 you know minus the fcs game uh and the ball was coming out of his hand on you know on, on dropbacks the ball was out of his hand within two seconds of the snap on 88% of his dropbacks, which is like, it is a testament to his ability to play within that offense and a testament to his wide receivers, but also just a testament to the quickness, the the speed of his release and the fact that like, he knows what he's flipping doing. Like, and that offense put up like record breaking numbers. And, you know, when I would announce that number, like people lost their minds (laughs) because they were like, how dare you insult him by saying that? I was like, that is praise you idiots. (laughs) (laughs) That is an amazing number. Like it's, it, it has come down a bit this year, although that's largely, <laughs> this is crazy. It's come down this year because I exclude garbage time and because their first four games went into garbage time so fast. And a yeah. huge amount of my sample is the Arizona game. And Arizona was deliberately playing a strategy of yeah. take away the deep ball. And so he would have to hold the ball for like three seconds and throw the check down. And so like now the number is more like, oh, I should have pulled this up. It's more like 64%. I'm sorry. Sure. I will have the accurate number How in my article. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up, can man. i say also i i wrote this in my piece after the um after the arizona game and like i was genuinely very imp- i i i if you guys want to link it for your listeners that's that's that'll i said in there better what i'm about to say but um <laughs> i was really impressed with with uh as much as i think jed fish is being an idiot for saying mm. like yeah Jaden delore is gonna play over mm. <laughs> fifita but but I digress. Um, I was really impressed with his coaching in that game. Um, is that why you're wearing a, a short King shirt? Is your honor? Oh, no, this is for, um, <laughs> the Canucks, Canucks, oh, Swedish five foot nine, you know, five foot nine. That's short in hockey, mm-hmm. in hockey land. Uh, <laughs> little, little boy. Um, but um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. I was really impressed because I, I thought that was the first time that I've really seen a, um, uh, an opposing coach, a admit like in what their philosophy is uh in their actions that they know that they can't offensively like they can't keep up with um washington's offense 
if you allow them as many, if you allow each team to have as many possessions as the normal game would dictate based on their average pace of play. Um, and essentially being like, yeah, you're gonna, we're just gonna <laughs> do like cover eight. <laughs> Obviously I'm joking, but <laughs> just essentially just go full shell, shell mode, um, clog up as many mid, mid yeah. deep kind of, and then play on their own offense. Also play super slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it takes like so much more discipline and non macho testosterone to essentially play that way because what you're admitting is like, yeah, we can't keep up with yeah. you and we're going to adapt to that, which is not, you yeah. know, the 10, the people who tend to have tend to end up coaches tended to grow up in that yeah. macho testosterone environment where it's my guys can beat your guys. And it's like, okay, go for it. You dumb hoe. Mm. <laughs> well, it's like what we were talking about off air in terms of like asymmetric, you know, strategies like that's, that's, that's how, you know, lower talent teams or, or, you know, lower power teams, you know, they need to shorten the game, you know, they need to make it a higher variance game, you know, but like, you know, easier first, easier said than done. And second, Mm -hmm. as you, as you say, like, you know, yeah, harder for a lot of coaches to admit that. But, you know, I also think that like, I think that Johnny Nansen, their defensive coordinator, you know, had been taking a lot of flack because Arizona had, you know, uh, you know, just a a defense that was in the toilet, you know, I think there were like 120 in F plus, you know, defense last year. And it's only like 80 this year, you know, so far, Uh, but like that's up like 40 ranks. Uh, Like part of that, I think is Jed fish, like clearing out like a lot of the, defensive like almost the entire defensive front um and and you know just replace them with transfer portal guys like really aggressive he was like the Deion sanders but just the defense because their (laughs) offense is actually not bad they you didn't need to do it on the offense um uh and and then like number two like i I don't think that johnny nansen is a dummy like he he you know like yeah that that is an appropriate way to 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 approach washington's you know offense is to you know is to to put that many dudes in coverage and then he did it again you know played the seven db defense against usc he'll probably do it a third time this weekend against a a, a wazoo because that's another team that you know where their run pass balance is really uh you know uh, favors the pass the reason that i say caitlin DeBoer study stuff I think that Washington has a couple of good, you know, running backs. I like Dylan Johnson a lot. I think yeah. that Will Nixon is a, is a decent backup. I know they've had some injuries too. At the, yeah, D- the Dylan Johnson position. is definitely the last couple of weeks emerged once he got healthy. It's yeah. like he's definitely the guy. But like, if you just, I mean, just look at their run pass splits and also just their productivity splits, and we'll talk sure. about the offensive line here in a little bit. But it's like. It's very clear that Washington's bread is buttered on the passing side of the ball. Um, okay. And it, it's also clear if you just look at their like play selection in like got to have it downs, um, you know, third downs and in other situations where they got to have it. It's like they really just, you know, when they got to have it, they pass the ball. Um, and, they, like. and and like also if you examine it like it, they're here, I actually have the number. I can just look at it. Um, the they 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 run the ball outside of the red. They they reserve running for the red zone. They they run the ball outside the red zone only twenty seven percent of the time. They run the ball in the red zone fifty three percent of the time. Um, which is actually an interesting, like philosophical change. For last year, they were running the the ball wherever on the field. It would, but only in short yardage situations. This year. Mm-hmm. They've changed it up. They, they don't care about short yardage versus medium yardage, but they do care about red zone, non-red zone, which is like, okay, that, that's interesting. You change up your that's philosophy. That's actually, yeah, send me those stats because I, I think that's really I, interesting. I want to They'll be in my article. I, I will, I'll just okay. <laughs> look to my article. This, this podcast will be All of these will be linked in the episode. Don't worry um, about 
the uh so that's interesting the, anyway but the way that their bread is buttered uh is on the passing side of the ball and so simply like you know to, to take away the deep pass and, and and your job is like 60 percent done um the 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 and and so like yeah arizona you know playing it that way and, and so what the hell is i trying to say i was trying to say that like <laughs> uh Kalen DeBoer's offense is very interesting. He uses pre-snap motions and other things in order to sort of identify what the defense is going to be and where, you know, the good pass is going to be and give those tools to the quarterback, which good for uh, Michael Penix for picking up those tools and using them so adroitly. Um, I have been trying to crack Kalen DeBoer's system for four years. Uh, I am not smart enough to do it. Um, if somebody, maybe there are actual football coaches who are smarter than me, uh, who can do it or, or, you know, I just been using a desktop computer. Maybe if I had, maybe like Oak Ridge, let me use Titan for, for a little while I could do it, but like, I, I don't have a supercomputer, so I can't, uh, but like in the alternate, what you need to do, if you, if you can't like just figure it out and just double cover that dude, um, with a normal number of defensive backs, then what you need to do is just add more defensive backs to the field, you know, and just brute force it, you know, yeah. just like, well, if I, drop all the defensive backs into coverage just by dumb luck i'll wind up dover covering whoever it is you know and uh, yeah. that's that was the nansen strategy yeah and and it also didn't help for Dub in that game too that a they had really bad red zone luck <laughs> which sucked mm. but also mm. the fact that jalen mcmillan was out like yeah like and i think he's um i just he's scheduled to be back against oregon yay yeah. Did you, I also saw like there was something about a Dunze on that onside kick. Did you hear anything about he, that? Yeah, he. I, th I, he, I couldn't tell exactly what it was. It looked like it might have been like his shoulder or something. Um, but it sounds like he's that's not mm. sh you know shouldn't be a big deal. Of course, that's like all coaches are like yeah, everything's right. fine. Don't yeah, look yeah. over. Don't look. Don't look behind the curtain. Don't look behind the curtain but, um, but mcmillan's but, missed the last two games right i don't believe i i saw him against calorie arizona yes mm -hmm. right yeah or maybe no it was um uh the very like halfway through the cal game did he mm -hmm. get injured i think it was maybe wait shit maybe it was the one before that i don't know Stop asking me questions. Mm. All right. Interview it's going to be difficult <laughs> podcast. And see. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not, they had the bye week to get healthy. And I'm certainly, yeah, exactly. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm knock on wood. I, you know, I certainly hope they're healthy. It's just like, it's my job to ask. Uh, the, uh, y you know, the, the, it, it's not like they're short of receivers, you know, it's okay. just, you know, they and they have Jalen Polk, who, like, I mean, that was one of the things that I wrote about last year was I thought they had, like, you know, not just two, but four really good receivers between, you know, also the uh, Polk and, and, and Davis. Davis, of course, transferred to Cal and yeah, yeah, and, and scored some touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for him. I, I hope he does does well there and hopefully, yeah. But, um, I will add, yeah, I we've talked, we talked, ta I don't think I talked about it this on this show, but, um, on our own podcast, which I, I say our own podcast. I try to get out of recording as often as possible because I hate podcasts. <laughs> um, uh, but um, I said on that that like our top six, our entire two deep of receivers, every single one of them would be the wide receiver one on like the teams from not 2016, but like 2017 through 19. Yeah. There's we had six guys like <laughs> I know. And, 
it's see and that's why talent matters yeah <laughs> no totally and, and well i remember gaby we had, we had talked in, in previous years about like you know the the whole uh you just like wide receiver calamity you know mm-hmm. uh the that's the washington awful. to go through and then to come through it like smelling like a rose you know uh yeah. it's sort of it's amazing um and then wait want to think of here something that you guys as oregon fans will really be able to make fun of us for um at one point we had Romo Dunze, Jalen McMillan, and Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. And we and John Donovan decided, no, 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 let's run it into the A gap out of I formation <laughs> yeah, right. over and over. And um, that's just very silly. So, you know, do with that what you will. So continue. J- Jalen Polk, you know, top level receiver, no yeah, concerns great. about him. Uh, I'm just trying to like figure out who's you're definitely going to be available. Um, we've definitely seen uh, Jeremy Bernard, uh, the the Michigan State uh, transfer. Um, uh, yeah, although originally I, I, signed with us and then right, transferred yeah, to there, the, then there transferred and, back. There and back again. And he got to play against Michigan State, which is funny. Yeah, um, we scored against him, I think, twice or maybe yeah. just once. Although I think, you know, once we get past Polk, I think we're sort of talking about a next talent level down. Sure, or, definitely, I mean, definitely. I mean, yeah. yeah, and I think Jeremy Bernard and probably Denzel Boston will yeah. – end up there like jeremy bernard now is like freaking they're awesome. younger because both of those but are 2022 20, guys yeah definitely yeah so then denzel boston which we've seen a little bit of uh this year yeah. um he he should be available but then i'm not really sure i've seen anybody else and it's a, a bit of a small because i think giles jackson is injured right i think he had his, like a um, thumb problem i think he was slightly injured so there hasn't been a lo- um a lot of like official stuff out about that um but uh yeah he i think he was like a little bit a little bit not 100 percent, and and the rumor mill was that he's gonna probably redshirt this year and mm-hmm. then hop into you know next year when roman and jalen won and and maybe jalen too i don't know but i think jalen too will probably stay their, so that he their names can get more differently hashtag exposure for the draft um but yeah that that jackson would then kind of slot into that a uh, more prominent role um uh, probably next year if he redshirts now. So that's like kind of what was going on yeah. uh, around the intersphere. But I don't think there's like everybody else in the room is true freshman, right? Tayshawn Lyons and Rashid Williams and Keith Keith Reynolds. Uh, yes, I believe. Yeah. Because I can, I mean, I can't. Will, I, Nixon, Will Nixon is like, let's just running back and he is a running back, but he's a mm-hmm. little bit of a tweener. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't want to look it up right now, but I'm mm. spacing on. Is there any. Yeah, let's just say yes. Let's agree. Well, I just, you know, when McMillan was injured, you know, and Jackson has been, you know, injured, they were just like, uh, you know, uh, oh, fine. You know, we'll just go with, you know, Odunze and Bernard Polk. And, Polk. Uh, and like, that's fine. You, you know, like more than enough. Uh, and I think even if it were the case, I mean, God, I hope not. But like, even if it were the case that both Odunze and McMillan were out, like Polk, Boston and Bernard is a better trio of wide receivers than just about anybody in the Pac-12. I don't really like I'm asking these questions. It's my job to ask these questions, mm-hmm. but like I don't really think that constitutes a substantial like downgrade in their wide receiver production to the point is like, oh no, you know, Washington won't be able to produce anything with those sure. three bums. Like, yeah, think, we're, you know. <laughs> yeah. I think I will say I like Odunze and McMillan and Polk are so like the things they can do are extraordinary yeah to the point like like to the point where after like the michigan state game people were talking about that game like it was 
Michael Penix's best game. I thought he actually had a few noticeable flaws in that game that the receivers mm. like Odunze and Polk had those three in just batshit insane yeah. catches yeah, that I like know. that granted a lot of that was on Michael Penix we're just recognizing I can throw it there he will get it but um you know if it was a situation where he didn't recognize that and he just threw it and then his receiver bailed him out because they are so amazing like that's the the the, you know, those those are two very different inputs that create the same successful output. And that's why I think when people evaluate based on output, based solely on output, <laughs> that I'm like, okay, you're stupid. Um, um, because those two inputs, if you're Michael Penix um, on that play, produce very different outcomes on a macro scale. Um, but anyways, uh, so I think those guys, you take those two uh, or those three away and your team like this team would still be very very productive but there would be you know two or three plays a game that are pretty significant that probably aren't those receivers mm-hmm. aren't ready to make yet just at the point of their you know maturity in the college game yeah um, bernard you know you know not that they won't um bernard and, and boston have made plays that you're like oh shit <laughs> yeah. but but they're but young that, you know both you of know, those guys are 2022 20, you know class of 2022 yeah, yeah. oh, guys young. so yeah. Still, yeah you know but but um Point being, though, that like over the course of a game or a season, even um, those two or three or four plays a game that those elite of the elite receivers can make, um, that that turns that can make a a significant difference in in wins or losses um, or if, you know, the outcome of anything. And so I agree with you that they would still have a better starting three than most of the receiving cores in the in the league maybe all of them um but there is there is a drop-off that is not huge but it isn't nothing so uh, it is hypothetical speaking of the uh foolishness of judging based on outcomes instead of process uh let's talk about the offensive line um so this offense sort of famously doesn't give up a lot of sacks. Uh, it is my opinion that the offensive line protections have not actually been that great, but it doesn't matter because uh, Penix is a great quarterback and this is a great offense uh, that, you know, identifies throws uh, before the pass rush gets home. Gaby, do you violently disagree with me and want to burn me down the way that uh, every other Washington fan does whenever I say this? Uh I don't violently disagree with you. Right. I do think that's an oversimplification, and I don't know if I would agree. I would agree that the offensive line and pass protection isn't as complete as they were last year, and I would agree that there are more – there's not, like, breakdowns with them, but there are definitely times of where where Penix isn't as comfortable – um yeah where he is having to throw not i wouldn't go so far as to say under duress but not under complete 100 comfort yeah um i mean i don't think it matters because like and i don't him, think it matters him for, under oh, duress is a more accurate quarterback than most quarterbacks who are perfectly <laughs> clean so this like true. you know but that's sort of why i i prefaced that you know only half jokingly about like the folly of judging by outcomes because i have like so many dummies in my mentions who are 
like, but there's no sacks. So therefore this offensive line is straight fire. And I'm like, do you know how dumb you sound? Like, I, do, <laughs> I will say, I do think they're, they are, I mean, part of it is, is our offensive line was so reversed for so many years where we, they were under Pete, where they were really good. Mm. Uh, we're going to ignore John Donovan, where they were mm. really good mm-hmm. at run blocking. Um, the way that they're, you know, that they would pull guards and everything mm-hmm. was just like erotic. Um, it was mm-hmm. so fun to watch. But then their pass, pass production was like just aggressively mediocre. And now those have swapped. And so I think oh, yeah. there is some level of us being like, holy shit, our offensive line can actually protect our quarterback. Like, consistently and maybe that being a thing where because of those different thresholds and standards that that washington fans have over not overestimated but just because there's been such a big change in just improvement from where they were Mm. that that makes us overestimate the overall yeah levels or whatever of their pass direction but that being said like I would take this offensive line's pass protection over most offensive lines in the country. And granted, that's like saying I would take this decent kicker over most other college kickers. You know, there's it's just a massive range of mostly mediocrity um, to downright awfulness. Um, looking at you, Colorado, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely there's definitely stuff, especially with the the um, the interior. I have noticed on occasion, you know, getting beaten out. Um, I do love Troy Fountainew um, and Roger Rose and Garden with my whole heart. And there's nothing that anyone can say or do that will. I, and part of it is just that Roger Rose and Garden is just like a giant Muppet. That's a mm. compliment, by the way. If anyone hears I that and is like, don't insult her. That's a fucking compliment. Um, and so I just love seeing, I love the, the incongru- the, how incongruous it is to see a giant Muppet beat the shit out of people. Um, <laughs> well, there's that yeah, one really I, big one that would eat the rabbits or something. His name was like Snuggle. Oh, Caleb you know what I mean? No, the big Muppet. <laughs> I'm talking oh, about Muppets here. <laughs> I thought you meant name a big was, I'll look it up. You guys talk uh, about this. I'll, I'll figure out the yeah. They've yeah. had some difficulties in the interior of the offensive line. Um, yeah. They had... Let's see. I mean, sort of going back to the offseason where uh, Miles Morau, who was also waiting on as the dedicated center, uh, decided yeah. to transfer out. So then yeah. they had Matteo Mele, um, who's sort of, you know, I've been watching him as, as like a, a backup rotational guy since like 2019. Like, yeah. it's kind of like crazy how long he'd been on the team. I know. I um, really liked I really liked him as a he was a good sixth man to have. Uh, uh, he was definitely a six man to have uh so he he became <laughs> he he became the starting center um but then but then he got injured i think mm-hmm. uh, uh uh like or er, fairly early in the season so yeah what, like the first game what they had been no i think he made it to the second game but or did they, he make it to the second yeah game? um okay. so that i think he got injured oh, yeah. during garbage time of the second game i think is what happened um that, i think you might be right so yeah. they had been doing sort of a, a a rotation sort of system where uh, Kalepo, uh, Brailsford, and uh, Hatchet um, were mm-hmm. rotating at the guard spots. Um, uh, but then as soon as they lost Melee, they had to move uh, Brailsford over to be the full-time starting center where he's like snapped the ball ever since. And, mm-hmm. and I believe they've announced that Melee is out for the rest of the season. Yeah, Melee's out for the rest yeah, of the okay. season. So that pretty much means that Brailsford is, is now the starting center for the for the duration. Yeah. Yeah. Um he's a he's a young young guy. And he's obviously as you can see if you have eyes. Yeah. Um 
and can read numbers uh, also very like a uh, nick well, harris yeah. can build. i mean he's I, he, harris he's he's like a, a redshirt freshman and mm-hmm. he's a i mean he's he I, I i definitely don't i mean he wasn't the a plan was miles morale the b plan was mateo Melli, and he's the c plan mm-hmm. you know like he's a richer freshman it was definitely nobody's a plan i think to, to have a richer freshman be your, your starting center for the, the you know the back 10 or whatever it is going to be you know games of the season um he's just i mean he's like 260 pounds maybe when i look at no him. no he's more than that he's like 280 um you know but but not like you know ohio state's centers no, weight, totally. you know yeah, yeah. right yeah. like um so i will oh sorry can finish your sentence then well I have my, my sentence is like th- is that also i have noticed that the rotations have stopped and they've pretty much just sidelined bulo like um that it's just kalepo at left guard and uh, hatchet at right guard now now i'm done <laughs> okay um yeah that's pretty much it um once that once once melee got injured um they swapped in um brailsford and then and then uh, moved Hatchet up because Hatchet had been the the backup guard um, behind Brailsford. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And then and then Brailsford moves over, and then Hatchet moves up. Um, and yeah, and there definitely has you know there there the interior has been also that's like what I mentioned also what I noticed that that when stuff does get you know a little bit trickier for Penix it usually is comes down to the interior which makes sense because that's where we had to replace three starters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah definitely the the thing with brailsford that makes me pretty decently into the prospect of what what the line will look like in the future um is that he was not really expected to be involved at all and he had to beat out like not i shouldn't say at all but like you know everyone's assumptions moving into the the off season was uh like melee at center and then kalepo and bulo maybe hatchet um, they were running with Kalepo and Bulo, if I remember correctly, and Hatchet as the, or mm-hmm. Kalepo and Bulo as like the starting guards through most of like spring and camp and stuff. And then like maybe Hatchet was kind of making some gains and then, and then Brailsford beat out like two, both of them for that starting guard spot. So like, it's one thing when you have really young freshmen or redshirt freshmen starting on the line because there's nobody else. Yeah. Um, that's when you're like, eh-oh. um, but the fact that that he like there was multiple obstacles in the way of him starting. Yeah. Um, so that makes me feel a decent amount better as far as like, you know, that's a, a lot for a young kid to be processing and being able to hold up consistently. Um, and then obviously to get thrown into center and be like, yeah, you're that now is <laughs> like a whole other <laughs> yeah. ballgame. Yeah. Well, um, and so that it kind of like makes sense that there are a, a handful of growing pains in there. But I still, you know, as far as if you told me, if you told most people like, yeah, you're going to replace three seniors in the middle, like experienced seniors in the middle of your offensive line. And you're still going to be like pretty good. Um, that is like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the occasional losing a battle there because that's still a better that's still a better outcome than 98 percent of places not mm-hmm. named alabama are gonna get i mean by the I, way i got really important news really quickly here the big muppet that ate little muppets his name was sweetums oh my sweetums God. it's the big scary that guy looks guy. way scarier than roger rosengarten oh yeah scarier than most things but he's actually yeah. a sweetheart that's why he's called oh, sweetums. but he eats yeah. them okay sorry continue <laughs> i will say for uh on brailsford like i i 
I agree with you about that guy probably having a bright future in in that, like when I watch his technique, I think he's doing like, like he, I don't think he's embarrassing himself regarding his technique. I actually think he's doing a pretty good job. All things considered, like when I adjust for the fact that he's not quite at playing weight and is a red shirt freshman, it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, like just in absolute terms, like, yeah, and man, yeah. his grades are the worst on my tally sheet, but like sort of, of course they are. Um, yeah. Like, Which totally makes sense. Cause yeah, he's yeah. young, he's undersized and he was just thrown into a new I, position in week three forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I do sort of blame Scott Huff for the situation. Like I'm not Scott Huff's biggest fan. I, I don't know if that surprises anybody, but like, um, you know, I, like, I, I mean, frankly, given that, like, I mean, I, hell going back to my suck shit rant from 2020 it was obvious <laughs> that Fountainau, Kalepo, Morao, Bulo, and Rosengarten like they had access to all five of those dudes in 2020 and that that was going to be your line in 2023 like that was my, the entirety of my famous suck shit rant was that you should have been playing those guys starting in 2020 wait they were true freshmen then you don't start true but freshmen it was on the, the covid year it, that was why that was yeah but that, they, was the that point like breaks shit. their bodies that's yeah, why but that's it was why COVID. Uh, defensive linemen all sucked in 2020 that was why the offensive <laughs> stats went through the roof yeah, for everybody still essentially playing a, 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 a high schooler again like the the ideal I'm I'm not saying from an X's known standpoint like they could have been the best options and they probably were better than what we had but um, they were definitely better than the way they had in 2021. <laughs> I hate you, um, but um, <laughs> but like literally from a growth standpoint, like um, uh, uh, like like that that mess ten, that so often messes up their backs and knees and then you're like we have a slight marginal improvement for right now that then is going to hit us in three years oh, when yeah. all of our I, the future I of strongly, our offensive line is just like destroyed right. and has to medically redshirt or medically I, retire I, like i don't think that's true hmm. and plus like okay playing redshirt freshman because like half of those guys are actually like 2019 guys well guess what you're playing a redshirt freshman now um, no, I mean, I was exaggerating when I said they were all true freshmen, but like, like just in general, <laughs> I, I don't like, I, you know, there, there's a bunch of teams that wind up playing or I mean, Oregon's Anyways, playing redshirt freshman to left tackle, you know, like, uh, the, the, the uh, anyway, like I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm not wild about the management of this room, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think as I a mean, result I'm just of, from like a physiology standpoint, like go totally beyond, uh, football, there's just and, like a and, lot of, sure. Yeah, there's and just anyway, a lot of as you have alluded to the, yeah. the 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 rush blocking uh, partially, I think because of this interior line situation, partially because I think that Scott Huff is the worst offensive line coach in the universe, like the <laughs> rush blocking is just like it's not good, like it's bad and they they don't run they don't run very effectively they don't and they don't choose to run um the the you know they're uh despite the fact that i think they've got a couple of good running backs i don't really think it's the running backs that are sort of holding them back but they're sort of they're underwater in rush efficiency and they just don't choose to run the ball very often they wait until the red zone uh in order to run and uh uh you know that's just sort of the you know the nature of the offense um the, the you know uh, uh right now um and uh I, that, that's it that, that the end of my observations about the offense is that like you know it's sort of like people describe this sometimes as a one-dimensional offense which you know I, I think is just a different way of saying they like to pass the ball a lot which like yeah, yeah. obviously they do um you know I, I don't know that there are a lot of situations in which they need to run the ball um you know yeah, like, I think that uh, and I'm not saying this as a fan I think that calling it a one-dimensional offense is 
yeah, I think if you call it that, like you're not really actually paying that much attention to the variety of like if you want to just be like, yeah, they pass all the time. They're one di- one dimensional. I'm like, OK, I guess if that's what means one dimensional to you. But I think we agree on that. I mean, it's like they don't need to run to set up the pass. Like the way that yeah. they're, I guess where I'm going with that is that like the reason that they are hitting the reason that they are hitting, you know, as many uh, long passes that they are is not because they are using the threat of a scary, scary run game in order to set up play action. Sure. Um, yeah. Like, and if you think that they are like, you're nuts, like, uh, <laughs> and de- and defenses aren't treating them as though they are right. Like, you know, Arizona definitely did not they were like oh fine i'll I'll, you know i'll play three down linemen and a single linebacker you know because i know that you know you want to pass it and and washington still beat them you know because like that's how good the passing game is um so so like i don't know i think it's just non-starter it's just an observation about how washington's offense works like they 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 don't sort of like they don't care about <laughs> about it. Like it's not necessary to the functioning of their <laughs> offense, and they just wait till the the to the red zone, so, you know, sort of for obvious reasons. Because like the the, the defense com- compresses in the red zone, and it's like okay, it's time to yeah, run, yeah. you know, or, you know that that. Okay, let's grumble, switch over. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> what? What are we grumbling? No, I just like that you literally were, were grumble, grumble, grumble. Well, I, I just like I don't I don't think these are like I think it's really trite. You know, when people sort of want to like pigeonhole or they they want to use certain like cliches about. Sure. Uh, oh, I know, agree. I would agree with you for for to clarify. I totally agree with you. I just enjoyed literally the onomatopoeia yeah. of grumble, grumble, grumble. All grumble. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about the defense. Sure. Um, last year, the defense in F plus was rated uh, number 70. Um, I think that there's a good chunk of that had to do with um, the fact that they were uh, with the defensive backfield um, being uh, a injured and B made up of some walk ons. I think that that uh, both of those questions um, have improved uh, in, in that they went out and got a uh, Jabbar Muhammad um, from mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, who I think has been a, a very good cornerback for them. Yes. Um, and, and B, they've just been healthier um you know uh they 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 reshuffled it a bit which is was interesting like they they moved uh, a powell from husky or cornerback to husky they moved the huskies hampton and fabiculan and uh uh, back into the backfield i haven't seen asa turner at the deep safety what what's the story there um he has been injured for i don't i don't remember he's been in and out mostly because of health um But yeah, no, I agree. A that yeah, it's Muhammad is slotted in a lot. He's slotted in better just in general than Perryman did last year, but also is just much healthier. Like Perryman mm-hmm. had a really bad injury, like. Um, but also, um, like, uh, yeah, yes, I will. I will agree with you there, and then let you continue and then answer. Anything. The other guy that I haven't seen, um, who like. Played, I had a bunch of good film clips of him against Boise State. Is Devin Banks number six? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. like I was yeah. like pretty excited to use some of those film clips because they were really good. And then like I, I basically didn't see him for the like. Is what's up with him? Yeah, he um, was playing for I want to say not Jackson. Was it Jackson? He might have come in for Jackson. Um, but yeah, he's not a traditional starter. I think he's a. Is he a redshirt freshman? I'm gonna look that up. But um, yeah, he is not like a starter. Um, he'll come in 
for such and I agree I think he's played pretty well and I'm excited to watch him in in the future particularly because he's kind of a cool little story or technically a sophomore yeah, yeah Fred's a sophomore but yeah I thought I thought he made some good plays too I thought I saw something about him being injured and I, I just couldn't like uh, oh he might that that might actually be the case but he definitely like he was he was they were kind of flopping in and in and out of the lineup as far as who was playing which snaps and all that uh for yeah. a while for some games. But yeah, they they returned Elijah Jackson, who was sort mm-hmm. of a backup last year, but he's stepped up. You know, he's mm-hmm. number 25. And then they got um in addition to Muhammad, uh, they also got a Juco Thaddeus Dixon, mm-hmm. uh, number nine, um, who's been uh, been playing pretty well. Uh and so, you know, I I I've pretty much been seeing, you know, uh, one twenty-five and nine. Um I, I had been seeing six but like then i hadn't seen him for a while and then like pretty much full time like I, I don't believe i've seen any real rotation at the husky position it's pretty much didn't michelle powell who like i said was you know a cornerback last year but is the husky now mm-hmm. which is the the hybrid uh like defensive back slash linebacker kind yeah. of position it's yeah. a total coincidence that the name is husky like it was yeah they brought that, that over from fresno yeah yeah or it's actually it actually way predates uh, oh yeah yeah i didn't mean like it yeah, was yeah, invented yeah. in fresno yeah yeah but like it's <laughs> it's just kind of like this total coincidence that after like seven different defensive places it finally landed at a stop <laughs> where the mascot is a husky but anyway um yes i have i missed anything there have, have they played anybody besides powell at, at that um position? yeah tristan dunn has played a little bit there oh, okay. uh, but he's 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 young um and, and yeah it definitely is powell is has that okay you know mostly down like that's pretty much his position until otherwise um um obviously um but yeah, I definitely I think is better suited to his skill set than he was kind of thrown into just a, a he was thrown into a scenario where it was very difficult to thrive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a much, much better place for him, for sure. And then, like I said, you know, in the deep end, I, I've seen uh, Hampton Fabiculon and, and then I've also seen, um, let's see, a, a 24 uh, uh, Esteen and yeah. uh, a 28 uh, uh, Vincent Nunley. Um, yeah. And I think all those guys are good to go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I I will add that. So Jackson and Estine both went to the same high school, I think Lawndale in California. And um, Jackson's been kind of like, you know, he's had a few few screw ups that that people, you know, every year somebody turns into the guy that people are like, you messed up, stop mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, but but both of those guys, and you have seen flashes of this with Jackson too, even with his, you know, kind of two steps forward, one step back progress. Is they both of those players are showed I, I I watched a decent amount of their film in high school and I've seen similar things with them here so far is they're both really quite smart and it's really fun when they're both locked down and like have, you know, when they, they are really reading the quarterback well um, and, and the zones and the, and the, and the routes well, like they, they know how to fuck shit up mm. <laughs> as far as like ball hawking. Um, and and hopefully you know because they're both they're both pretty young and hopefully i'm i'm hopeful that it you know as this year goes on that especially jackson because he's in a starting role that he'll be able to show more of that because it when when he's on that and he, he and estine are both are on that even though they're different positions um it's it's just fun like i think watching really smart defensive backs is like one of one of the underappreciated pleasures of football yeah um because there's really no combination. There's, I don't think there's, there's very few things that are su- an, a combination of such 
absurd athleticism and absurd like qu- quick like millisecond processing um so and i think i think you know if if jackson over the next year or whatever is able to maximize that natural ability and grow in that way like that could be really fun well, there's a couple of different reasons why I wanted to start out talking about um, the defensive backs. You know, number one, the one I you know I already said is I, I thought it was like, you know, the I, I thought it was the primary thing that was artificially depressing. Mm-hmm. Artificial is probably not the right word, but like was sure. depressing more than structurally should have been expected. Washington's defense last year um, was, mm. oh, totally. yeah. you know, that, that, that factor and the fact that they've rounded out, out a little bit better, you know, I think it w- has been important at that position or at that, in the secondary in general. Sure. Uh, second is I think it's um, important to understanding the structure of Washington's defense in that they are, this isn't Kwiatkowski's defense anymore. You know, they're not playing like the sky high safeties, but sort of philosophically it, it shares uh, some uh, pr- like, you know, 35,000 feet, you know, uh, philosophical principles in terms of like, we want to stop explosive plays, you know, and, and, and so like in particular, that's, they're really good at stopping explosive rushing um, or they have been so far this year. Um, and, and, you know, that, 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 you know, and it's just like, it, it, it's very clear that the way that they play their defensive backs are like, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they'll come down into the box and help make tackles. They come, you know, they'll, they'll sort of like will play off and play zone, you know, in coverage, but they come down and they, you know, they make the tackle. They don't let a pass go big, you know, like they, they, they uh, they're not like super duper aggressive about like, you know, uh, shutting down like underneath throws and sort of stuff, but they are, you know, once the catch is made, they come and they, they shut it down so that you don't get something big, you know, and, and they don't like, you know, get out of position so that you can turn you know a a small play into a big play like um yeah and uh, the other reason why it's really essential to there's three reasons the second reason why it's really essential to understanding the defense is this team produces a lot of interceptions they're number four nationally in interceptions per game yes and 1.6 per game now i think that i just use the term artificial let me use it again um i some of that is artificially inflated by the fact that washington has been playing some kind of bad quarterbacks and that i i would say um, I was, maybe I should have come into this with knowing the exact number, a good chunk of the interceptions that they got. First of all, they weren't even by defensive backs. Like a couple of them have just been linebackers who were just like standing there and the dumbass yeah. quarterback yeah. just threw no, I t- right I totally in his will face. Do That's why <laughs> yeah. I was so shocked. And That's was why I was like, so what? shocked that we're number four because I was like, like yeah. we've definitely improved as far as yeah. our being in position from the secondary, but I would not have guessed that. Like, and I, that's why, and, yeah. and, and, you know, so a good chunk is just like, Oh my God, like Washington has had, like, I'm not going to okay, sugarcoat no, this. Y- yeah. That. And then, and then like Ben Finley, a lot of, I'm not going to sugarcoat this man. Like Washington has not really played good quarterbacks. In fact, I think, I believe every single one of Washington's opponents have played a backup quarterback. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and like a lot of, you know, a number of them, I, I'm sorry. Well, that's I, not I, true. It doesn't matter, but go on. <laughs> uh, 
uh, well, anyway, the, the, the point is like, I, I watched bad. I agree like, in general. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and a number of those are just like, are you, are you kidding me, man? I'm sort of like, I'm, it's not like I'm watching the, the film and rooting for the opponent of Washington. I mean, the game already took place, like, you know, but like, and even if it was live, it's not like rooting for them changes the outcome of it, but it, but it's still the case that I'm just like, it's a kid and I'm just like, come on, man. Like what are you, <laughs> but having throat cleared enough there on a, a lot of them a lot of the interceptions i was like that was genuinely good defensive back play mm-hmm. like that was there's one I, I think it's the boise state game or maybe tulsa the boise and the tulsa game both bleed in my mind because the uniforms were identical and yeah, they were both in 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 seattle uh but anywhere where it was just like it was genuinely great coverage from muhammad and then uh and then 13 is the one who actually gets the pick but it's because he comes over yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. cloud coverage but like one number one is that muhammad is the one who sets it up from genuinely great man coverage and then it was just like yes you know and it's like that i don't that play doesn't happen last year because yeah. oh, of no, the totally. defensive because of the defensive back situation i will i totally agree i think there's two things one i agree with one i slightly disagree with um a the main thing about this secondary is like that is such an improvement from last year, regardless of why is that just in general, they're in so much better position. And like, even when they're out of position, it's something where you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like, Mm. it's not just like you just got shit canned by someone and you're just over there building a sandcastle. Like last year, I I don't remember who said it. It was some, it was like some UW alum or media person. It might've been Terry Holloman mentioned something on Twitter near the end of the year that I realized I totally had experienced this too, that he was like, I haven't seen a UW defensive back in position to make any play on the ball in a month. Mm. (laughs) And including like one of them, granted, I think this was like, you know, our three deep or whatever, our third string, like getting, getting just turnstiled against Colorado, like on a go route for their (laughs) only score of the game, like that kind of thing. And, and, and I think this year it's just like, fundamentally they're playing a lot again a lot of this is just health um plus improved talent they're just fundamentally playing with like so much more and i don't want to say smarter but like structurally it feels like everyone has like a far better rapport of that whole unit knowing everyone knowing their roles way better um, being able to just, I think, have better technique for, you know, um, um, reading reading receivers and the quarterback better. Um, the thing that I do disagree with you somewhat about, I do agree that they've been pretty good at limiting explosive plays at, in, in front of them, like the, a, a catch or a rush um, that is you know completed in front of them like that's probably not that hasn't really turned into anything explosive after the catch um but the one thing and i think this is like pretty crucial to the philosophy of washington overall like the relationship between knowing what your offense is trying to do and having a defense that complements that is that while their secondary has improved massively um they're still philosophically like if you're gonna burn us on a go route every once in a while okay um because you're not wasting like if you're gonna score score just do it um 
But if you're going to score and you're going to take six minutes off the clock at the same time, that's where it becomes an issue. And that's what Arizona did so well. Um, even like it's better to not score against UW, but take up six, seven, eight minutes than to score really quickly. Because if you score really quickly, then you're just increasing the amount of possessions that each team gets. And the more possessions each team gets, the more UW has an advantage. It's the opposite of the Vir- of Tony Bennett's Virginia, um, just like mathematically. Because if you're giving us like 14, 15, 16 possessions a game, like pretty much, I guarantee you, no other offense can be as productive over that you know, over that much time, over that many opportunities. But, and so that matters because then when you look at the defense and the, specifically the secondary, um, like, yeah, they're obviously not going to give up touchdowns on purpose, but, mm-hmm. but it's far worse. Um, it, it compounds the um, damage done. If you're letting them score on like eight, nine, 10, 12 play drives down the field. So they are going to limit explosive plays to when, you know, there are completions or whatever in front of them. Um, but, and, and, and generally speaking, they've done much better at defending the go route and, and, and the post and, and everything that's, that's much, that's like deeper completions. They, they're like way better at that than in the past, because in the past, again, last year, they were just getting turned well, half the time by, it, by receivers. In, in that, the past, they, they simply weren't in position to defend. Exactly. That's yeah. They were just there. You're like, what are you doing? Um, but, but it's definitely something where like priority wise, their priority is that the things that are in front of them, they keep there. But if you're going to get behind them, you either make a play on the ball there and you get it. Um, but like, if you don't, it's, it's worse to have that damage compounded. Um, and so I think, I think. Yeah. What, what, but like this team is an offensively driven team. What they're afraid of is you well, talking the, all the time the off the clock, plays, you know, plays philosophically as such. The, um, the, I, I appreciate what you're saying it, uh, it regarding the deep ball. I want to put a pin in that because there is, that's actually the third thing that I wanted to talk about, but it wasn't. However, that's not exactly what I was talking about in terms of mm-hmm. like giving up explosive plays. Sure. What, what I was referring to is actually if there was a, a defense that I would describe this as the opposite of, it would be Alex Grinch's defense um, in that like Alex Grinch's defense uh, uh, is like, don't even give up the six yard play. You know, like I want yeah, you to you come totally like this, yeah, I yeah, want you yeah. to come and destroy that play like that dude who's yeah. trying to get a stop route. I want you to blow him up as hard as you can so that he drops the ball, you yeah. know. And, oh, and what's that? You just missed the tackle, and now the guys run seventy yards. Yes, precisely. <laughs> and Washington, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. So Washington doesn't do that. They'll sort of yeah. like watch you catch that six-yard pass, yeah. but then three defensive backs will sure. come and tackle you before you get to the sticks. And it's like, okay, yeah, 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 definitely, so definitely, you know, definitely. now you need to run a third and two play. You know, yeah. like that's Washington's fault. Okay, so sure, now yeah, the thing that, that I put a pin. Uh, yeah, it's so like it's really. sort of like don't it's like, OK, I, I watched you get a, a, an underneath route, you know, but I, I didn't let that underneath route become a 30 yard play by mm-hmm. sort of going nuts about it. Yeah, um, it's and, and much potentially more missing. Um, yeah, it's a much more disciplined. And and that's approach, that's especially it's relevant. Sexy. It's especially relevant to the running game where they definitely play defensive backs down in the box because they the the uh, uh uh or will bring them quickly down into the box because like their rush defense they're rushing there is such a huge split in their rush defense numbers they in terms of 
efficiency or like offensive efficiency, this defense is terrible. Like they will, they're, they're, they, it's, it's their defensive success rate against the run is 34.72. Um, meaning opponents are succeeding on, uh, uh, 65.28% of their runs, which is like bonkers. It's making opponents look like championship caliber, you know, rushing efficiency. And in fact, here's a really crazy stat. Um, although it is somewhat an artifact of how quickly games go into garbage time. Um, and, and, and how often opponents are playing from behind uh, against Washington. Um, only once has Washington stopped a third down run. That the, isn't shocking to me. Outside of garbage time is a third that and is, six against Tulsa. Yeah. Um, like literally every designed run. I mean, some scrambles, but I don't count those as designed runs. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. But like, yeah, third third down running, they've never stopped. Um, yeah. Now, but here's the other, like the flip side of that equation. Only 8% of runs have gained 10 plus yards. So it's like you you can get, you know, your four to eight yard runs all the time against Washington, but then the safeties all show up. Yeah. You know, and they like, swarm you like yeah. a hive of bees and keep you from getting 10 plus yard runs. Totally. And I think I, I want to add, I think that's something that has, that I think is so fun about this team in general is like that, you know, how much that, like what I talked about earlier, but this also plays into it, like how much this, uh, the defense and offense mesh with each other so well, like they really complement each other. And that's one of them where, where like exactly everything you just said is, is so conducive towards putting it in a position where like, sure. Yeah. Do you want to get six yards and go down the field? Fine. But you're down by 21. Yeah. <laughs> like, <you're laughs> right. Exactly. Do that. So um, but it I means also, that a lot of teams have just simply not been able to take advantage of what appears on paper to be Washington's yeah. huge vulnerability that they can't stop yeah. efficiency running is just like, what are you going to do when you're down by 21, run the ball three yards at a time, every play, yeah. you know, yeah, like, sure. good luck, buddy. Yeah. You know, which yeah. ironically is what they should be doing yeah. because then they're limiting the, like yeah. it's well, like, but it takes the amount of discipline to approach this team if you're an opponent of washington the amount of discipline as a head as a coach and as coordinators that it takes to approach this team with the game plan that is setting your team up with the most success much chance of success um you know oregon and usc all concede are kind of outliers in this case because i think the three of us are so you know we're in similar a similar tier um like just coaches aren't willing to do that. And I don't really blame them because it's mm-hmm. such a scary thing to be like, we're going to be down 21 and we're going to run it well, <laughs> you know, or we're going to be doing whatever. Um, Have fun playing Stanford. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that'll be the upset of the year. Um, uh, but I also well, want to add one thing to that. And a lot of that is that, and this was an issue, like this is a big issue last year um, to the point where I was blaming this for, for our losses and our, stress levels more so than the secondary was that our tackling was really mm. not good like it I was do, at times last year has G- improved gilbertson level and this year it has definitely improved but there it isn't at a point where i'd say it is a genuine strength it's just it's kind it's just not a not raging the, like, weakness yeah but it's still something where show, I'm like you yeah. guys are missing angles or you're coming at it at angles oftentimes that are not as effective as i'd like you're not wrapping up and pushing uh you know you're coming off your feet too early and many times mm-hmm. um and, you played and rugby, i think that, didn't you 
<laughs> did I? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it it actually playing rugby and then watching football, like playing rugby and watching football when coming off during your the Pete feet. You played rugby. You totally played rugby, didn't you? Mm? Wait, did you not know that? I thought you were joking. No, I had no idea. Oh, <laughs> it's part of Gaby's lore. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, watching play, having played rugby and then watching. Um, you'd have football during the Pete Kwiatkowski years and, and like when Jimmy like was defense and backs coach was like borderline erotic because their, their, <laughs> their, their tackling was like so good. Oh, yeah. um, granted, they still, some of the techniques I'm like, stop it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, whatever. But, but, but yeah, last year I was like straight up going to shove my head <laughs> into drywall. Um, and this year it is definitely improved, but it's not, it's still at a point where I'm like, I would like to see if you guys really worked on, this the most fundamental part of the game and and brought it to a point where it was as good as it could be then like I, it yeah. then i would be or like just average just like you, you know not like because i totally agree with you the biggest problem was just like oh my god there's so many whiffs mm-hmm. you know attacking which granted is just a thing in college football yeah, in i mean sure and especially like coming out of the covid era when like that was the biggest thing that i noticed about 20 2020 <laughs> and then like the the uh, to, to some extent 2021 as well yeah. was like how much of a just like tackle like nobody knew how to tackle That's that really season true. Yeah, and then like 2020 and, but then I I noticed the the worst teams or the worst defenses in 2022. It was like the hangover extended. It was like all those t- mm-hmm. folks like didn't drink water. You know, uh, you know they they had an extended COVID hangover into 2022. Yeah, no championship hydration. Yeah. Um. So the, well. The, oh never mind. I, I was I almost had the greatest transition in the. Were you about to just game. describe the color of your pee? No, <laughs> I was about to say. Well, speaking of wrapping up. I ain't done, man. Like I know. I figured. I figured. The the third thing about the defensive backs mm-hmm. that is relevant and interesting, and I, that I put put a pin in regarding the the deep shot is another mm-hmm. fun stat. Washington is the only team in the Pac-12 conference to be flagged for defensive pass interference in every one of the games, and it's not one guy who has a problem. It's I mean, literally, I, 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 the reason I listed all the defensive backs, it's every one of them. Literally, every one of Washington's defensive backs uh, who's a starter or primary rotational player has been flagged for defensive pass interference. There's two of them that i think were bs calls um but the other seven were totally legit i mean it's like totally legit um and and there are a couple sort of sub observations about that one is that yeah because they're in close enough range in order to to contact the dude it last year they weren't even close yeah. enough to commit pass yeah. interference um, yeah. but uh so like in a weird kind of way that's kind of improvement you know like <laughs> hey 15 yard penalty is better than giving up a touchdown um, but then you know the other observation is I I'm not sure that we're seeing you know George's defensive backs here or something like that where it's like absolute lockdown you know killers uh, of course not no I would never say that uh, you know that's <laughs> my well I guess maybe some watching fans might uh Gaby okay. do you think that that is a fair observation that these are still like these are still guys that sometimes get burned you know totally. on the deep ball uh yeah. okay yeah right. no totally right, cool. and I and uh part of that is just you know sometimes you get burned and unless you're like you know byron murphy or whatever mm-hmm. but uh but also yeah like part of it is just like it's a combination of the fact that yeah sometimes they're just not good enough for that but also like philosophically like 
yeah, go score, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it <laughs> is. Score, I mean, go score in thirty seconds, and don't take, don't waste our time, and and take six minutes out the clock at the same time. I guess it is uh, the thing that you know we we didn't get a chance to talk in the summer, but the thing that I was you know that, that sort of when I was doing the roster review for Washington over the summer that struck me is as interest. Like I said, you know, Washington was the seventieth ranked defense in F plus, and lots of teams sort of. Lots of teams, when they had sort of a bad side of the ball, like we were talking about with Arizona, you know, when they sort of like, hey, we had a bad side of the ball, let's clear it out and, you know, replace it. Mm-hmm. You know, like lots of teams took advantage of the, the the liberalization of the portal rules and the lifting of the initial counter cap to be like, yeah, let's totally remake this stuff. But then other teams were like, I'm pretty happy with our internal development. You know, like we just need sort of like the, the uh, you know, a daub, a spackle, a little paint, you know, like one or two guys. And like Washington looks more like the latter. You know, they look more like the, you know, we only need a couple of guys so that, you know, they, they, they just took Muhammad and, uh, and, and Dixon. Uh, and or, Dixon. Yeah. 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 The, the Juco. Um, mm-hmm. although most teams take a Juco, you know, just sort of part of their normal recruiting. Uh, they took, you know, go forth, you know, the, the linebacker from USC and they took the division yeah. two transfer at the defensive end, but I don't think he's played. And no, you know, they- Double A took until a month into the season to be like, no, you're not yeah. eligible. <laughs> and so it's like, because, oh, look, because he enrolled for like an hour at North yeah. Dakota State as just a normal student, which like, fuck you, NCAA. Yeah. Sorry, I, I guess you know, I, I were you, I, I get. I, I understand when a coaching staff is sort of confident in their ability to mold the clay, so, so to speak, you know, develop, mm-hmm. you know, the players that they have. But I was sort of, I thought that they needed more clay. You know, I thought they just sort of needed more dudes um, here. Did that surprise you at all that they did? They weren't more aggressive at taking more guys because i i, I want to ask you about the front and in the front in particular i so i i haven't been noticing much rotation and, and I, I i sort of think they could have used more dudes to rotate more has that what do you think about that gaby um just the defense in general yeah sure um yeah i think uh i i half agree i i i i could go both ways kind of um i and i definitely agree that the the front is the area where unfortunately as i predicted might be the case um we really do miss guys like jeremiah martin mm-hmm. um um and but also like they went and got and got i was about to say zach durfee that's his name i was about to say the name of my friend whose last name is durfee <laughs> which would be weird um uh go coast guard um uh but what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, in general, like I'm not, sh- I'm not shocked about it just because part, I mean, part of it is like, I think it's a little part of it is, is it, I think it's a little bit easier said than done just cause there's, you know, a lot of guys enter the portal, but like how many of them are really, you know, it, it's not like everybody has upgrades for every team in the country available. Like that's just the math of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I like, think. Oh, I'm sorry, you got. Oh, I was just like, like how many realistically, like how many edge rushers or like three techniques or or just DTs in general, like realistically, how many were available that were really game breakers? Um, granted, part of it is yeah, you just need as many bodies as possible so that you can see what you have and just maximize your chance at a as a po- at a positive return, but. But that also like is resource investment and there's only so many, you know, what are you doing with one hour times whatever to get X guy who might not be 
that much of an improvement. What else could you do with that hour that actually will improve the team? And I think that's something that like people overlook a little bit with college football in general, because the operation is insane. Like the scale of operation is bigger than the NFL. It's bigger than any other. Like it's probably the, maybe other than, I don't know, F1 with their engineers and shit. Like, the scale of operations is on such a level where like you really do have to be doing the cost benefit analysis of your, the input of your time and energy and attention. Um, so in that regard, I'm not super shocked about it. Cause it's kind of something I feel like when you're really, really turning shit over, like what Colorado did or Arizona's defense, like you kind of, it, it almost feels kind of like an all or nothing. Like you can't half do a massive turnover of roster um and and i feel like that kind of informed the 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 defense's approach to you know get a get a handful of guys get get muhammad dixon durfee rip um go forth um and then you know like that that's kind of the amount of people that i was sort of expecting um just because of all those factors but yeah. Well, I've seen more rotation at the linebacker, the inside linebacker position. I mean, mm-hmm. primarily we've seen 11 and five, you know, Tupatala and Olufoshio. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I, you know, I've seen a pretty healthy amount of uh, go forth, the, the USC guy, uh, and then uh, Bruner and Fowler, who've been, like, been around forever. Um you know, so, which is, you know, you know, five, five guys, that's pretty much, you know, what, what I would have expected. And they've all stayed healthy or, you know, uh, so, so, you know, hasn't really been an, in, uh, you know, an issue. It's just that like, uh, you know, I would, I, I guess like just sort of a, uh, I would have expected, you know, given how great the 2022 season was, you know, for this team to sort of like strike while the iron is hot, like come to Seattle, we're building great things, you know, like, you know, because like, you know, Fowler's a walk on, you know, you're going to lose a couple of dudes, you know, here at the end, like I, you know, go for it's a grad student, you're going to lose him at the end of the season. I think you're going to lose, you know, Fowler at the end of the season. You're definitely going to lose Ulafoshio, right? Or did yeah, Ulufoshi was out. Yeah. Goforth's out. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I think, Fowler, I, I think, think like almost could, all of this room is gone. At, like, because Tupatala was a 2019. I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's you know, it's a, it's a sort, you know, it's like I, I was really surprised. You know, even though I don't think there's a, so maybe this isn't really a relevant question for Saturday, but like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of think you know th- they've got five guys. None of them are hurt. The, you know, the depth is fine. Like, I I'm not. I don't think the talent is really like anything to it's write like, home man. about here, but like, you know, they, I don't necessarily think they're really embarrassing themselves. Like, uh, but like, I kind of think this whole room is going to be gone. And, and it was more than anything else. It was the position that I was like, I would have expected to see, like, go get three, you know, linebackers. Cause like linebacker is definitely the position that tends to be overflowing with transfers in the yeah, portal. That's true. Um, and oh, I think for that reason, I could see them do. I think they'll definitely get a lot. This I mean, year. they're kind of going to have to. I mean, they think I think they only took two freshmen, right? Uh, uh, Brian and Whitney, mm-hmm. uh, who are both like mid three stars. You know, it's definitely not like the profile of recruiting that I expect for Washington. Um, so anyway, uh, it's sort of a question for the future. I, let me just ask you, like, how would you assess these guys performance so far? Uh, pretty much what you expected. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like, yeah, me too. I'm not like extraordinary yeah um 
I did. Um, okay. So then let me ask you about the edges though. Like you already mentioned uh, the loss of Jeremiah Martin. I agree with you. I, th- I sort of think it hurts. Uh, like yeah, I gave him the Jake Eldrin camp award this preseason, which hmm. is the award for the ex- award for excellence. And Oh shit. I didn't realize we were going to miss him that as much as we did. <laughs> I, okay. So Zion Tupuola Fatui, you know, he had the great 2020 season and then, uh, well, number one, he's had a bunch of injuries, which like, I, frankly, it's amazing that he's on the field with the, the, the injury history that he's had. I, it's like just astonishing. Um, and like his get off off the line. I mean, like he's, he's courting some offsides penalties. In fact, he's gotten a couple of them. Um, but like, yeah, his speed off the line, you considering his injury history is like, kind of amazing. Braylon Trite, uh, but like, I don't know, man, like he was never going to re- reproduce those 2020 numbers. That was sort of a COVID anomaly. Yeah, um, I mean, just the over a large sample size, like that's not a sustainable. Sure, but like, I don't really blame year. him for that. It was just like, yeah, I think. Yeah, no, neither do I. Yeah. Yeah. Braylon Trice, on the other hand, was like, I mean, that dude was sort of tearing shit up. I think that those numbers were for real last year. Uh, and then he yeah, sort of agreed. like hasn't replicated it this year. And I've been watching his film. And what's really kind of interesting is that like his rush defense numbers, like his grades on my tally sheet, Braylon Trice, I'm talking about, like are pretty good. Like, I, I don't really think he's playing hurt or anything. He's just like, he's not really getting he's not like destroying tackles uh in the same way that he was like destroy i'm just destroying them last year and i'm i kind of don't get it um what do you gaby what do you think um yeah i i think i wouldn't be shocked if part of it is just that there is such minimal depth with jeremiah martin Mm -hmm. um out and um and derfy not being able allowed to play um uh and like they had they brought Tunufi around um and converted him to that area because he was always kind of a tweener yeah. between tackle and edge. He, he um, actually grades up pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was he's surprised. I, he, he's been pretty he's been been pretty pretty good. Um, but you know, he's still relatively new to being like edge. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I don't know if part of it might be I don't have the snap counts. Um, I'm sure you do, do. but you know, they're still just regardless, they're still relying on those on ZTF and tries a lot more. And, and so, you know, I mean, it, that's, it's hard to play tired. Um, You know, I can't, who knows? Like, I don't know if they would, if that's, if they would, I mean, no one will ever admit they're tired if you're a high level Mm -hmm. athlete, but like, um, but I, I do think regardless though, having that pressure and, and also, it probably I, I don't think it feel like it particularly helps that like the interior hasn't been particularly disruptive, you know, overall as a unit. So like that makes it all the, all the easier if if you're an offensive line to yeah to focus on you know a guy who you do know will it, when neglected you, will be more productive. Do you think that the interior? I mean, because the interior is basically the same guys as last year. Um, do you yeah. think that there's been a change to the way that the interiors? been playing uh like the effectiveness wise or i i well structurally or, the way that they're coached or instructed or um i don't think i don't have any evidence to suggest that 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 is the case um mm. i haven't been i will fully admit that like i haven't been when i've been like watching the games this season i haven't been like nerding out as hard as in the past just because mm. like college football isn't as fun anymore (laughs) this team team individually is super fun but like part of what makes your teams fun is the whole ecosystem within which Mm -hmm. they exist and so like when that ecosystem becomes and shitified and a total clusterfuck of 
gestures at college football. Like I can't, I can, you know, that's still, that still clouds over everything. So, um, so like, I haven't been paying as much attention as to the, you know, specifics of how, uh, of their moves and then like schematically. Um, but, um, no, I wouldn't. I haven't noticed anything that stands out as far as a different approach. Well, let me uh, let me say something happier then. Like, uh, you know, I, I have been down on the transition of uh, Uma Ale um, from offensive line to defensive tackle. I didn't think he was very good last year. I thought his like technique was just, I mean, bad. His um, technique was be giant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, He's become the starter, you know, next to Tuli Latuli and Gasanoa um, for for most of the year, uh, and uh, like he's cleaned it up, man. Like, yeah, oh, I will. Like, yeah, that is totally true. Like he, he's he, definitely he improved, out, you know, pretty well, um, which makes I, sense that I, he's you know he's so new to the position. Like, yeah, obviously that's when you make it, the most. It, it's it's funny, or, or I don't, not funny, haha. But like the guy who I I had penciled in as the starter next to Tuli was uh, uh, Fatui Tuatele. Um, who's like, I mean, he's played number 99. I mean, he has played, I've got him on my tally sheet, but he, number one, he's a backup. Number two, he's kind of a deep backup, you know, Bondus and uh, one of the Parker brothers. Tuatelli hasn't like recorded a stat. Like it's, cr- it's crazy. Like Tuatelli has been pushed down by like how good, uh, Ally has been playing. Um, I-, I have seen some news that both, uh, Latuli and Gasanoa and Ali may be injured. Do you have an update on that? Uh, they, DeBoer said that, uh, Latuli Gasanoa will be back okay. for Oregon, but again, you know, smoking Who knows? So. Uh, you know, gosh, I hope so. You, you know, like it's a two down front and like, you need those guys, you know, cause they're really, you know, they got to pull their weight and then some, um, all right, Gaby, uh, uh, you got any, uh, thoughts about how this defensive front is going to hold up against Oregon? Uh, Nope. <laughs> Fair no. enough. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, I could, you know, we could keep talking about whatever forever, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think we pretty much covered it. Like if, if I'll put it this way, if whoever is listening to this can't then deduce <laughs> the like from there, that's on your own ability to <laughs> analyze. Yeah. Fortunately for you, the game is about to happen. So yeah. you can just watch that instead. Gaby, one thing we have to talk about, you mm-hmm. specifically. I mean, listeners heard this right at the beginning of the podcast when I awkwardly plugged all your shows. But if you could plug your shows, it'll be a, a much better listen. So what do you got coming up in the Seattle area? Uh, Yeah, well, I'm not plugging all my shows because I don't. There's plenty of shows that I'm on that I'm like, eh, I don't yeah, need to the you. good ones, you know? <laughs> but, um, no, I'm just going to do the ones that I'm produce- producing because those are the ones that are, I always forget, I always forget when I, cause I haven't produced stuff for about, cause of COVID for about five years. And mm. uh, I forget, I'm like, yeah, 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 I love it. I do love it. But then it comes down to it and you're like, oh, fuck, I have to do all this shit. I have to make sure we get, <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Um, As the producer of the Quack Twelve podcast, I'd have to uh, <laughs> say I'm right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, the Angry Beaver we're doing and Green in Greenwood we're doing a uh, post, essentially for when hockey is only closes out at like seven when they only have East Coast games. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell else are you gonna do for? Because uh, they're oh, I should have I should have uh, mentioned they're they're like a hockey. They're like a Canadian. Ho- like hockey bar slash venue they've got like they have like music there sometimes musics music there sometimes um mm. uh 
uh, and it's a really, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good space for, for comedy shit. So that's on October 16th. It's our first, it turns out the NHL changed their schedule. So there's, we were going to do this as like a bi-monthly thing, but then it turns out there's only three days before the end of the year that have only East coast games. Mm. Um, and those are the 16th, um, October 23rd. So it's Monday, next Monday, the Monday after that, and then um, November 3rd, which is the Friday after the whatever. Um, and yeah, so we're going to have like a cluster of those. Um, you can, tickets are $7. Like that's literally, that's so cheap for how good. And also all the lineups mm-hmm. are like really, like you genuinely, and I'm not saying this to exaggerate, you cannot get this good of a lineup for $7, like period. You can't. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome, yeah. America. Um, <laughs> and and Aaron, I, because... I'll speak for him. Aaron uh, yeah. Schroeder, co-host this podcast, will be there because I'm going to force him to leave his house <laughs> for the first time. Like five blocks away, he lives bastard. so close too. Yeah, he I'm will be there. Aaron. Um, you get to meet Aaron if you go there. I'll, I'll oh, guarantee. Oh, you were telling it. me. I was like, I've met Aaron so many times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I drank his Lacroix um, <laughs> and his beer. Uh, so there's that. Those are come to those. Like if you're listening to this and you're in the Seattle area, whatever, come to them. Um, they're gonna be fun. Um, we don't have any tickets sold yet for the uh, November third one because <laughs> people, it's like people forget that the the third child exists. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and then other than that, um, at the Crocodile or right Hereafter, I suppose, which is the comedy part of the Crocodile, um, on October twenty fifth, we've got um, me and my friend Timmy are producing a panel, a comedy panel show called Wackronyms, and it's really stupid and really fun. Um, mm. And this is the first one we'll have done, so like we just want it to go well, so the crocodile will let us keep doing it because um, because it is fun. We have an Instagram. It has like six followers. Well, there you, <laughs> um, you can be the seventh follower. You can be the seventh follower, and then you can come to that show. Um, uh, I'll, gi- I'll give you the links, and you can put it in the... For, I'll give you Absolutely. the ticket links, and then you can force your listeners to go at, to, at, at at a baseball bat point i was gonna say yeah. gun point but that's so violent as well, if, if getting our... beaten to death with a baseball bat is like <laughs> if our patreon numbers tell us anything i'm really good at forcing our listeners to give us money um timmy solid comedy name too very solid oh, comedy you're about name. to be like i know him he goes he goes down and does some shows in portland every once in a while oh, there you go keep your eyes yeah. out for good, good timmy. Dude, that, Tim. timbo and over on the terrible, terrible uh, site known as Twitter by us, no other name, um, you should be following both of our guests today at Gabby, not Gabby, G-A-B-E-Y-N-O-T-G-A-B-B-Y over on Twitter, as well as Hithloday1, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y number one, and Addicted to Quack is where you can find this article correlating to this game duct tape addicted to quack gaby hithliday thanks so much for coming on um i'm either gonna feel real good or real bad at the end of saturday i'll tell you that much i just remember last year at the end of the game i texted you and i was like (laughs) how high how stoned are you right now i was pretty well i was at the game so less high than normal but yeah but i think i remember that i think you're like i had an edible and i'm sad (laughs) Yeah, sounds right. You could probably just text. You could text me at any point, and that'll probably be the answer. Um, see y'all next week. Quack quack. Bye. Go down.